watchers on YouTube. Welcome back to Maya, my yoga audio. I'm Megan, your host, and we are back with an interview with Porter Singer today. Porter is a musician, formerly known as Sergan Carr, and we became known to one another through a mutual friend, musician Joshua Stoddard, who was also a guest on this podcast in March of 2021. That interview with Joshua, along with some samples of his music, is one of the most listened to episodes in the three years I've now been doing this show. Porter and Joshua collaborated on several musical pieces together, and she and I became connected after Joshua took his own life last December of 2021 through a community that was expressing grief and memories of a beautiful soul gone far too soon. Porter is a singer and she's an emotional guide, the host of the Inspired Artist podcast, where she interviews spiritual creators, creatives, and she is the founder of the Body Cello Method. Porter, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. <laughs> it's been great to connect sort of in person, virtual, <laughs> in person after so long of just like messaging one another. And um, I've been following your work in music for some time. So I'm a little starstruck <laughs> at the moment. Aww. Well, it does. It's funny how this does feel in person now, doesn't it? it <laughs> we get so used to meeting on, on Zoom when we meet in person. Now it's super awkward. I feel like, like <laughs> but it's been amazing to have you here. And I wanted to ask you before we kind of dove into anything and we, and we don't have to dwell on it. And I have so many questions I want to ask you, but first, given that we were connected through Joshua initially, and we've just passed the anniversary of his leaving us. And I know you've interviewed him extensively. He's been on this, this show. Um, is there anything you would want to say about him, about what happened or about your time together as friends and collaborators? Wow. Well, I was just, so I have this, uh, it's actually staring at me as we're doing this, um, because I went to his memorial in uh, Oregon, in Portland, um, a, a few, a few months ago, I guess. Oh, it's a blur as to when that actually was, but, um, yeah, Joshua was, was, uh, like no other being that I have, have ever met, um, and left in a way that no other being I have known has ever left me before. Um, I think I now know a lot more about kind of what to look for when 
trying to be a support for someone who is thinking about taking their life um, because I really didn't know what the signs were. And I know a few of us talked about that at his memorial, but he wasn't just unique in the way that in the way that uh, he touched my life in his leaving. He was unique in the way that he touched my life in his, you know, in his being. Um, and one of the most remarkable things, I think, is just how much he did touch my life for the small amount of, you know, real time that I actually spent with him. And I think it sounded like it was the same for you. You know, I was only in his physical presence for two days um, in his actual life, but it felt like so much more than that because he was so good at keeping in touch and, you know, we were emailing and calling and um so yeah he was just he was super special and i feel so blessed to have been part of his you know his journey on earth and i still feel like he's with me um that's one of the i guess the perks of having him been in my life in that non-physical way anyway you know, he wasn't ever really in my physical presence on a daily basis, like I said, <laughs> so I can interact with him, you know, not exactly the same way that I did when he was alive, but he sort of just feels like he's there. Um, like he did, like he did feel when he was here. So, yeah. No, I, I absolutely believe <laughs> that. I have like dreams where people will pop up that have, you know, passed on. So he's definitely come through and James. and it was shortly before um, you and I had connected was like the last time that I saw him in a dream and I know that kind of <laughs> gets out there for some people but I, I I'm with you in that I believe they're in different places but are still with us and in, in the ways that count so thank you for that <laughs> I just wanted to have us take a breath on on that um just because that was the way we became connected um Sure. not needing to dwell on it um if we don't need to um <laughs> so I, I even though I introduced you formally at the start I'm hoping you would kind of introduce yourself how you want to be introduced right now in terms of who you are in this moment um what it is you think our listeners should know most of all about who you are and all that mm -hmm. good stuff <laughs> Ooh, well, I really liked the way you introduced me. That felt really good. Let's see how, how I would be known in this moment. Well, I think that over the past few years, it's been kind of a, a journey for me of, it's, it's sort of, it, it's sort of like, but I don't want to say it is like, but it's sort of like when you hit rock bottom <laughs> and because it's not like I did. There wasn't like some cataclysmic event, but there were some things that happened in my life that forced me to sort of reckon with myself and there continues to be. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm in kind of a process of letting go of a lot of stuff that I didn't even realize I was holding on to. Um, that's for me personally. And so in my, you know, in my creative um, field, I'm kind of rediscovering what all that means to me. Part of the questions that I ask myself are like, have I been performing or sharing music because that was a 
um, coping mechanism to get people to like me as a child, you know, um, do I do it because I love it. And so all these things are kind of true, right? Like I, I think I placed importance on it because it felt good, but then there was also that feedback mechanism of, oh, people really seem to like this, you know? Um, so I think I'm just, I'm asking myself a lot of questions right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, uh, whoo, it's, it's kind of a lot, but you know, it, it is what, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, that's the determining who you are in any given moment is, is a big challenge, right? Cause wow. we're always shifting and, you know, different things change who, I don't know if I want to say change who we are, but change who we feel we are. There's somebody else I spoke to recently and actually two people in the last couple of months who've been talking about like getting over people pleasing. Mm. And it's like, we are kind of, there is something in us that is, is, is groomed for that wanting to be accepted and wanting to be liked. And <clears throat> interestingly, Joshua said a similar thing when he mm. came on, he's like, I've stopped I don't want to call it sound baths. I don't want to call it healing this or that. Like, I'm just, I'm making this music. I'm doing what, what feels good and, and not trying to just do what I think people will like. And it's like, I think it's a constant struggle yeah. all the things that we do because we want things to be harmonious and we want everybody to be happy. And I don't think anybody wants people to not like them. <laughs> <laughs> Opposite of that is like, you know, right. Um, making people like us so thank you for that honesty and um and sharing that part I I guess part of what's fueling my next question is oh there's so many things that are coming into my mind now because you did an interview with my gosh Dr is it Wendy Harris oh yeah mm -hmm. um and you work it's one of the most profound interviews for me those who are in the yoga community and specifically the kundalini community um you really both of you touched on so so many things in such a kind loving forgiving difficult challenging way and so i kind of wanted to weave into a little bit about the journey of you know who porter singer was you know by birth how she became surgeon Carr and now has returned to be a name um, hmm. order singer once more and kind of what what that means for your your journey of of who you are and the life you live and yeah well um i'm so glad that you liked that episode wendy is is so lovely and <laughs> i i don't completely remember what we what we spoke about to be honest um i mean i remember generally but um but yeah, there I, there's so many conversations that I have. But I do remember that her her practice is you know compassionate inquiry, and I yeah man I really love that. But um, and then there's so many of the so we had so many. Well, she delved so deeply into the practice that I ended up getting you know into even more so than I did really from a philosophical standpoint. So I guess I'll back up. But so my name has always been really important to me because my parents told me this story it was like my 
foundational, you know, story of who I was, it sort of made me feel like very important from a very early age, which was that my name Porter came from this dream that my parents simultaneously had when my mom was pregnant with me, not knowing that I was going to be a girl, but having dreamt of a girl child called Porter. And then they they told me that when they looked it up, that it meant the it was sort of like the right hand of God who would decide who went to heaven and who didn't kind of thing. So it was like kind of a judging like character, I guess. But I always felt like this like was really important. And in a way, it was kind of like a spiritual name from the beginning. Um, yet I lived in France and the word porter is pronounced porter, which means to carry. <laughs> It's not a very attractive name in English either for a girl, in my opinion. You know, it's not like Melody or Rose or something like uber feminine or something. So I always had a bit of a complex about my name growing up and I think um, and had wanted to change it like numerous times. So when I did discover um, Kundalini Yoga and this like form that you could fill in on the 3HO website to apply for a new name. I was like, sign me up. That sounds great. And I'm thinking I'm going to get something really beautiful. <laughs> and then I get the name Sirgan, which I actually pronounce that way um, because that's how it's spelled, but it should actually have been spelled S-A-R-G-U-N and it should be pronounced Sargun, which means with the qualities like the gunas you know with like the the earthly qualities so um i was sort of in this situation again where i didn't feel like i had really a very feminine <laughs> kind of kind of name but you know it was like okay it it had it held meaning for me because the definition that i got was um the embodies God or the embodiment of God or something like that, which sort of took me back to the original meaning that my parents had given me for the name Porter, which was interesting. So the names were actually quite important to me and it took me a little while to decide that I wanted to formally shift my name as in like actually asking people to call me that. But thankfully, I was living in a community where everybody had a fake name anyway. I was living in Santa Monica and, you know, like everybody was doing yoga and their name was Shakti and Shiva and whatever. So um, it what that was not a very difficult transition. Um, getting my parents to call me a different name was a little I had to ask for it as a Christmas present one year. Um, and they did. They, they were, you know, they, they were fairly. They were fairly accepting of it, but um, and ultimately I decided to go back to Porter in name, not on paper, because I actually legally changed my name to my my new spiritual name, Sergen Kaur. Um, and now and now I have the added complication of having sort of brought my kids into it and given them this last name of Khalsa. And so when when the shit hit the fan, let's say, and all these kind of negative stories came out about, um, or let's say it was like a 
second or third wave because it wasn't like it was the first time anybody had ever heard of this stuff about Yogi Bhajan, but it was the first time that I became aware of it in this big way or that it seemed legitimate or um, that I actually was able to put like faces to stories as opposed to just kind of like a a rumor mill, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it, I, and I, I don't want to even say it that way because it's not like I heard all the stuff but discounted it. It was like, it just, I heard like fragments of things and it wasn't given any sort of credibility. Anyway, I think I've spoken about this before, but like the main thing that I was aware of was how poorly the children were were treated. And I always just chalk that up to poor management. I didn't realize that it sort of, went down the chain of command or up the chain of command and that that was kind of the directive that was being given by the by by yogi bhajan like (laughs) that that it was kind of an accident but it wasn't so anyway when all this stuff started to come out i was feeling very strange about continuing to keep that you know that identity because it had meant something very beautiful to me and now it meant something it's still you know not that it changed the meaning, but it changed the background of it. It changed the framework for it and the the reason for it. So I just decided, you know what? It was pretty scary, but I was like, I'm not, I just don't want to keep using this, you know? So I, I just decided to go, go back to Porter Singer. It was actually the first time I released music as Porter Singer, because when I released music before I just used Porter, um, yeah which is a i think a mexican band so there's a little bit confusion about that so so yeah that was that was kind of scary but it also felt really freeing um mm-hmm. to to go back to that and i realized that so much of wanting to change my name had to do with kind of running away from parts of myself that i didn't want to look at and i guess that brings me back to like your last question about just you know being confronted and that's you know that's what's happening it's like none of the stuff actually went away um i just kind of put it aside for a little while so yeah yeah. that's a journey (laughs) (laughs) that is such a journey and i also love that someone else has mentioned this on your podcast and i'm sure you've heard it a thousand times that your like birth last name is singer and Mm. amazing singer that you embody that and specific the conversation you had with um wendy harris i love because you were talking about both of you at one point or another the loss of community that Mm. with you know the realization of of what had happened and what was coming out and it's no longer this like you said this abstract rumor mill thing this is something you know impacting real life people but still the way we don't need to dwell on it because I don't want to be gossipy or negative but um a similar thing I was like really involved with um a pretty close-knit kundalini community in Canada and in, in Toronto Ontario before I oh moved. okay yeah and Nirmal. what's that Nirmal? no um Harinam Sinkalsa okay sure you would have ever heard of of him or not because this is probably like 10 plus years because okay. um, we've okay. lived here for nine years and that was definitely over 10 years um okay. and and it's it's similar and it's 
it's interesting. The day I was listening to your conversation with Dr. Wendy, I was out on this long, long walk. I was like, oh, I'm hearing these two people talk about, you know, this kind of coming to terms, you know, with something that was previously not known and what that looks like personally, what that looks like in a community and how a lot of people, and I've had several, I would say half a dozen conversations, some on this podcast and some just out in the world with other yoga teachers who've become so disillusioned at one point or another about the quote unquote yoga world that mm -hmm. they stop teaching or they stop, you know, believing what they used to believe because when that infrastructure, that framing, when everything we believed in kind of falls down, what are you left with? Mm -hmm. And I felt like the conversation you two had, and I won't get into it too much because I want people to go listen to it. I shared it on my stories and I'll share it again because <clears throat> I think the way you talked about it was like so human and so real and really expressed the difficulties of how to wrestle with those things personally, but also as a community. And then I'm like, I have to go back and listen to this episode now. <laughs> So it was so good. I sent it to a few people. I was just like, you have to listen to this just because I know they were other teachers who were struggling, you know, reconciling, like who, who am I in um, the yoga world after X, Y, Z happens. And it doesn't have to be as, as severe, you know, as some of the things we've heard, but sometimes the cards fall down for a lot less than that, mm -hmm. um, but it still has this ripple effect in the, the community. And so, yeah. I just want to take a moment to thank you for having that honest conversation and, and recognizing that <clears throat> we all have, I'm trying to formulate like a blog post or maybe even another podcast episode where we talk about like what happens when we truly believe in something and then something we thought was true is not true. And how do we heal from that? How do we mm -hmm. reconcile that? How do we move forward with, with our own belief system and stay true to our own values and I sort of feel like from the little that I know of your, your journey, you're really doing that. Yeah. Well, something that really resonated with me was um, a guest that I had, Matthew Remsky, who, who does a lot of um, research into specifically yoga cults. And he said that you keep what you created. And I really loved that because yeah. I didn't, I don't think we, we need to just kind of go, okay, one part of this is bad, so I can't do any of it anymore. You know, I stopped doing Kundalini yoga because it, I just lost interest. It was before all this happened. But if that practice had really meant something to me and it really helped me, I don't think that it would be right to just throw it away because that's not honoring what I need. And it's not, you know, you, if someone's out there, you know, and they're still practicing Kundalini yoga, if that's something that gets you through your day, like you, you don't owe it to somebody else to trash that because, you know, a part of it offended them or hurt them because that's their work. Right. Um, and also, it's, it's his response. It's like Yogi Bhajan was the one who did something wrong, not the person who practiced Kundalini yoga, you know? So 
but then there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, well, this reminds me of that. And so it doesn't feel as good as it used to kind of thing. So there's, there's just so many, so many nuances. So I don't think that there's like a blanket right answer for anyone as to like, well, should I still do this? I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a very individualized decision. And I, I liked how Wendy was talking about how she's like, I've done this daily, this particular thing every day for like decades. And now with that, that doesn't feel right to me anymore. So mm. what can I find instead? And I love that she golf and bike riding and you know, all the different <laughs> things. Like it just it had such a lighthearted tone, like something that could be so heavy mm. and, and mm. is very many people, but I love that approach. Anyway, I don't want to keep referring back to it. Yeah. I'll, I'll get I want people to listen to it. Um, but then I I'm kind of wondering, so I know you do work with emotional fluency and you have your body cello method, which I love. I played string instruments when I was in the <laughs> middle school. So I'd love for you to tell us kind of more about what does that mean? How'd you get started with this work? Like, what, what is that all about? Well, I'll speak about body cello first, because that's what that's what excites me the most, I think. Um, so I saw this really cool performance at the kitchen. Um, with this woman, Pam, I can't remember her last name, but her first name was Pamela and she's this amazing experimental cellist. And I remember her saying that the cello is the instrument that has an identical range to the human voice. Okay, so that was sort of like in my, you know, in, in my head. And when, when I decided to change my name and I was questioning whether or not I wanted to keep doing chant music and stuff like that, I really missed making sound. And so for me, it was like really kind of a basic thing, like just sounding through, like making sound through my body. Like I missed that. And mantra gives you an excuse to do that. You know, um, singing gives you an excuse to do that, but people don't feel as in uninhibited and like worthy of singing because they have judgments about their own voice. And then to a lesser degree, maybe some people have a little bit of inhibition about mantra singing because they also don't like their voice. But I've never heard anybody hum and say, oh, I sound so bad. <laughs> right. So I, I was, I was sort of conscious of like how I would be sharing this with other people, but at the same time, like wanting to create something for myself. So I created a personal practice that I would say is sort of influenced by my experience with Kundalini yoga, honestly, because it has in, in this sense, it has like different moments. There's like, you do this for a certain amount of time, you do this for a certain amount of time. Not that it's rigid, but like, it's not a vinyasa sort of experience. It's more like a one exercise follows the next. And it's all breathwork based. So you're taking a deep inhale and then you're sounding. It's very kind of hard for me to explain this practice because it's sort of like a combination of a yoga practice without needing to be like flexible or very skilled, a singing class without needing to be talented or like on pitch, you know, and also a breathwork class, but incorporating sound. So it, it's kind of a combination of all these things that I love. 
So you're moving your body, you're breathing, you're making sound. And what the sound does is it increases your breath flow and the breath flow increases your sound. So there's this, um, this thing that I never really felt in like a, a vocal class or, you know, if I've taken like a singing lesson, which I haven't taken that many singing lessons, honestly, but in my experience, you're told to breathe from your diaphragm, but it's not a breath practice. So you're not encouraged to take like a full deep breath and then make the sound when you're ready. It's more like you need to fit that breath into the song. So it's a different, it's a different thing. So one of one of my favorite body cello practices is what I call um, an intentional tantrum, where you just kind of lay on the floor and you bang your feet and your hands and you breathe deeply and then you um, vocalize through your lips. And it is so freaking relaxing. Like, especially if you're having, you know, like if you're really angry with somebody or you're just like really tense, it just lets you just get all that energy out without like taking it out on somebody else. Um, So that's been kind of wonderful for me in my own practice. And I've really enjoyed sharing it. Um, Yeah, so that's that's kind of body cello in a nutshell. And the emotional guidance thing has evolved. I'm now calling it emotional guidance um, because I actually discovered that emotional fluency is something that other people, it's like, a. I thought I'd invented it because I'm bilingual. So I thought what a cool idea to have like emotions be another language that I speak, but it's actually like a term, I guess, (laughs) that other people use. So I was like, well, I don't really, I don't want to like appropriate, you know, someone else's term because I'm not exactly sure how they're using that. But anyway, so I use um, I use emotional guidance now. But yeah, I just I think my my journey with emotions has been oh, and so much about it's being illuminated like so much more right now because of what I'm dealing with personally. But I've always had a lot of emotions. It's it's very I'm very, very emotional. You're, you're nodding your head. So I can tell this is something that you (laughs) familiar with. And it's not been kind of encouraged, supported or held by those who, you know, who, who cared for me growing up. And that felt very lonely. And it caused me for a long time to be asking the question, how can I be less emotional? And I I believe like whatever kind of big question you're asking yourself at the time is sort of where you end up, you know, you end up getting the answer to the question that you're asking. So I was asking myself, how can I be less emotional? And then Kundalini yoga comes into my life. Oh, wow. Like, this is great. There's, there were so many Kriyas for, you know, being less emotional. If you're angry, just start chanting. If you're, and not that they weren't like wonderful, but I don't think that they were a good replacement for actually processing and like holding myself and like actually honoring my emotions. They were more a way to sort of 
distract from or well i don't need to qualify it that way but they weren't ex it wasn't exactly what i needed because i didn't need to learn how to feel less i needed to learn how to hold myself in my emotions to honor myself when i'm feeling something to be able to honor someone else when they're feeling something you know and yeah so i i really love um helping people see that in themselves that they can make peace with their big emotions i love it i love it so so much and what you don't know is that yes <laughs> that person like my teachers used to just be like megan i'm going to say something to you don't cry <laughs> they would just like that's just how i've been and um previous guest who I, I just interviewed is talking about um, emotional fluency or emotional guidance for men. Mm. And I was saying to him, I was like, yeah, even though it's kind of derided for women, it's still more acceptable, quote unquote, than for men. And it's like, we have such these like polar opposites sometimes. So he's like, I help men feel. Mm. They feel like they're not allowed to. They constantly have to be that stopgap between the women in their lives being overly emotional and them being, um, as a result, kind of suppressing and tamping down and not knowing how to deal with their emotions. And the way you just kind of paraphrased, you know, everything that you experienced, which is like, it's, it's no easy thing. And now in like the corporate world, that's one of the buzzwords of like emotional intelligence. Hmm. and it's funny because I kind of feel like it shows up in different ways I had a as you know um that I do work corporately and I had an incident uh, well in November you know this too that I ended up coming down with COVID oh mm -hmm. quite sick and I probably should have taken more time off than I did and went back you know too soon because I'm like I'm fine I'm fine I can get back to work and I was not ready. And then, you know, was in this meeting. I didn't know what was going on. I'd missed all this information. I actually, it's first time in my entire life. I'm like turning 49 next month. <laughs> first time in my entire life, I started to cry in a, um, like a corporate, it was on Zoom, but like in a corporate meeting. And it was just like, oh, and they could tell, I kind of stopped it. I was like, I just need to step away for a minute. And Da, da, da. and it was like having nervous breakdown you know in the other room like I can't believe that just happened but another co-worker came through and messaged me and she's like the brain frog is real you are mm -hmm. still healing like give yourself a break it's okay like da, 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 da. Then all, everybody started messaging me <laughs> I'm like convinced I'm gonna be fired right because <laughs> I was so mortified but that just that even those small little reach outs was so I was just like I'm so sorry like that has never happened in my whole life and they're just like just take the time you need to like figure it out and they're like is there anything we're doing to like make you upset like I could not believe the lengths that they went you know to make me feel better and so that was really validating I don't think in any other workplace before now that that would have necessarily been extended and I sort of feel like our we're kind of global awareness of emotional guidance, emotional intelligence is, is kind of fueling that, at least I hope. <laughs> yeah, man, we're talking 
There's so many things. I mean, like the word empath did not exist or even highly sensitive person didn't exist when I was growing up. There was no awareness that, you know, certain people are just more sensitive or Mm -hmm. yeah. Anger is an interesting, oh, did I interrupt you? (laughs) Anger is an interesting topic that I, I actually did a video on because I think we, we call it an emotion when, when it's a man having anger, we don't really think of it as an emotion. Right. But I don't, I don't think anyone's ever really angry in the way that we, we think about it. I think that there's like, it's sort of like a costume for emotions that are too inconvenient to express. <laughs> that's a good way. I don't, I'm not laughing at it. I'm just like, oh, fairly brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's so much cooler, right? For especially, I think actually for everybody, cause I think we're moving towards more of like, you know, even women want to be perceived more, more masculine. It's like a much more powerful stance, right? that anger is is such feels so much more empowering but it's actually so much more um it's like a self-defense mechanism too right it just sort of covers your heart it it makes it so that nobody can get in you know if you're actually like disappointed or grieving or sad or something nobody's gonna address that if you're yelling at them you know which is yeah yeah but it it's kind of a way that we learn to make our emotions appropriate i think a lot of the time is just oh, by yeah socially acceptable right it goes into like three places and it's personal sides of stuff dealing with myself and my family in the last couple of years i went into some therapy and that was a big part of it was like naming emotions mm. and I constantly go to like one of three and they're like oh but is it this or is it this? <laughs> like and realizing I don't think most of the world knows <laughs> that there are all these different emotions that we can have that have names that represent different things and that we might be feeling it's kind of like angry sad mad you know mm-hmm. all go there but it's it's a little more complex than than that when you're out in the big wide world uh, so you're when you do the body cello and emotional guidance with people, is that in a way kind of helping them to like swim through identifying some of that in their lives? Well, definitely the emotional guidance because we're, we're actually talking. Um, body cello is much more like a yoga class in the sense that, I don't want to say it is a yoga class, but in the sense that you come, you do your practice and you leave, it's not like you're I mean, sometimes we'll share, but it's not, it's not like a one-on-one kind of, uh, um, coaching session, right? It's like a, a class. So if somebody does have an aha moment, then they might share, they might not, you know, do you do those? Is that something you do online? I was, I kind of put the body cello on pause live right now. You can purchase the classes um, as like, uh, do it, do on your own time kind of thing. So you get the videos and you can play them whenever you want. And, but before that I was doing them live, I might start again. We'll see. Okay. That's good to know. I was looking at your 
YouTube again today because I, I want to include your my um, January newsletter and just oh. links to different things. So I was like, oh, your music's on here and you're like coaching's on there. So I'll provide the links everybody who's listening in the, the show notes and keep up keep an eye out for the newsletter because I'll share all of that as well. And then you can get in touch yeah. with Porter for further ones. I, I wanted to go back to your music if possible because I think you've been singing or been in the like musical realm um, since you were a child and do you sort of feel maybe it sounds cliched <laughs> but it's kind of like do you feel like music is your muse or your music's muse or like how's what's that story between um you and music oh could you give me a little bit more on muse what what do you mean by that when i think of muse i think of um like artists like a painter or a photographer somebody being like oh this person or this environment or this concept is my muse and then kind of it's in tandem with me listening to your podcast listening to your music um and thinking like just inquiry about your relationship to to music and in terms of like the muse and the artists like how what's that relationship? The, so this is this is my first attempt at thinking about it in this way so thank you <laughs> yeah i like that idea of being a muse to music that's that's sort of that's sort of nice it it does it does honestly feel like the things that i have created were made by somebody else <laughs> not like it's not me but it, I, it's, it's kind of, i don't even know really how to explain that like it's not current me <laughs> it's like it 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 happened and i took part in the drawing it down um but i don't feel so like own i don't feel like i own it you know it's just it it exists i guess in the same way i mean you're a mom like you don't own your children and they have a life of their own now but you did bring them here <laughs> you know yeah it's like the not well it's like the whole thing of non-attachment too right like i love this music or other artists or writers that I've had on the show and they said something similar more that they feel like they're kind of downloading or channeling something that's coming from a force greater than them mm. that needs to be out in the world and they're this vessel for that information for that sound for that those words there are like yeah some people who are like I don't even have they'll have sessions where they don't even recall anything and they've written out things or saying things or said things that they don't even remember. And it's, yeah. I like to think of it as like a connection with the divine. And so that, um, like you said, like, I don't own this. This is, you know, I, I guess you see yourself as a vessel coming out into the world and delivering. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you can be a vessel for different things too. Like sometimes I'm a vessel for like, trauma you know and that's that's the song that i write <laughs> i i just it's like you know want to get it out um 
that's actually part of the, the I'm, I'm doing this songwriting series. I think by the time this gets out, I'm guessing we will kind of be in the middle of it, but we're, I want to look at and kind of take people through a journey of using songwriting who aren't necessarily musicians. In fact, you don't have to be a musician at all, but to create something with your words, your ideas, your beliefs, you know, with channeling, you know, just pull it, drawing in different, doing it in different ways, like taking it from different vantage points and creating something that feels like a reflection of you at some moment in time, you know? And um, I brought that up for a particular reason though, when you were talking about, oh, but so, so for me, songwriting too, like when I write a song, I'm not necessarily writing it with the intention of sharing it. Mm. You know, so much of what I write, in fact, most of what I write never sees the light of day because it's just, it's like writing in a journal, you know? And then some of the songs I'm like, oh, I really like that, <laughs> you know? So I'll, I'll, you know, maybe somebody else would like that too. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's sort of strange when what you do as a profession, I guess, and what you do for your own self therapy kind of, <laughs> have this you know this meeting point like i don't really know what it's like to not to kind of um have a job that's not like really personal <laughs> you know yeah no i yeah it's just i love hearing you talk about this and and being unable in the best possible way to put it in terms that i think most people understand <laughs> honestly I mean it's been like looking for you my whole life to, for someone else who thinks <laughs> I do which is which is amazing I should my husband's at the other end of the house I should call him in here and be like you need to be a partner I'm not the only person who thinks this way um, it's well but even amongst all that so like there's the artistic and creative and emotional work that you do, but you also have this amazing podcast, Inspired Artists Podcast. Yes, I do do that. I, I'm <laughs> enjoying listening to that so much. There's episodes, as I've already mentioned, that I really, um, you know, remember by name. And then there's others I can't remember the people's name, but I'm like, I remember snippets of their conversations, their journeys through life. And like, how do you know all these people? But it's through performing and going, you know, you've just had these incredible well, some of them I know some of them I I just reach out to and I'm like hey I have this podcast and I know who you are would you you know you wanna um yeah and, and then some people are like we I actually have people I don't know if this has happened to you but I have these like services that now contact me and they're like we think so and so would make a great guest on your podcast so um so I don't know all of them and that's I, I love that about being a podcaster. I love meeting new people. Yeah. Well, so far, all the ones I've listened to, you have a connection with people, which is how I kind of run things on here. But I'm, I started at the beginning of your podcast three years ago and kind of I'm working mm. my way up to where <clears throat> you are now. And I'm curious kind of like what have been the big, I get a lot of questions from people who are starting out 
and they're like, I want to launch a podcast, but like, how do you keep the momentum going? How do you... So there's all this stuff, but I want to ask somebody else. Hmm. Like, I know you started pre-pandemic. I started during the pandemic hmm. or pre-pandemic. Did that shift anything for you or like alter, you know, the, the direction that you went in and then how do you find, I'm the, I always tell people, I, I just don't have enough time. I have more ideas than I have time <laughs> to deal with. What is that like for you in terms of like hosting and producing a show? Yeah, well, I think it took me a few years to kind of get into my groove with it because when I first started, I didn't really have like an idea of how many episodes I wanted to release each week or like what a a comfortable workflow would be for myself. So now I've decided I'm releasing one a week and it's always on a Friday. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that that was really helpful for me to have some sort of structure um, as opposed to like, let's just see how many we can get out, you know? Um, so, and then I did do it pre-pandemic. I took a little bit of a break before I decided that I was gonna be consistent. So I was consistent for a few years and then I went through a dark night of the soul and I took a little bit of a break and then I, uh, and then I started again. And uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if I'm like doing it right, but I, I, <laughs> but I keep, I keep doing it and I really enjoy it. So I guess that, I guess in that sense, I'm definitely doing it right because it's fun for me. Um, yeah, I, I, there's definitely been some, you know, things that I've learned along the way and then I've just kind of adjusted to them. And I don't think there's any other way that I really could have learn besides just doing it because ultimately hopefully if you're starting out a podcast it's something that doesn't yet exist and so the framework for that is going to be unique to what you've just created it's not like you could just replicate what somebody else did and be successful that way you know yeah which is again kind of the it's like, I don't know what it's like to have a job where it's not incredibly personal. And I don't know what it's like to have a job where you don't have to just like create everything from scratch because, <laughs> because it's not like a straight road to, you know, you need this degree and that degree, and then you're, you're you know, you're all set kind of thing. Um, so, yeah. Oh, you're like my, my icon <laughs> for living. <laughs> and I, I wanted to, um, ask you i know we chatted about this beforehand but for listeners for watchers and i've probably mentioned this before that one of my favorite other podcasts is um nonprofit organization called the moth and so for christmas i received this uh, gift of a game of storytelling because i love storytelling i love it's partly why i do the podcast because i want to interview people about their lives and porter has graciously agreed to be our first tester of drawing a card which is like a prompt for um a story um because i wanted to kind of have something that was well we're not that scripted actually today <laughs> i wanted to give you hold on was so fun i actually just got my i got a deck myself i bought myself for for christmas too i i'd never had a deck before and i really love decks now there's so I probably have three or four. I haven't um, 
<laughs> gone into them for a while, but it's so fun. It's just nice to have something else outside of you and you kind of randomly pick this card from a deck of cards and what does that reveal about you or dreams like big believer in dreaming and looking up what the meaning of dreams is um oh so i drew a card for you while we were talking i was just kind okay. of shuffling the cards so it's like a deep kind of ochre burnt orange card that says deep prepare a story about going in head first diving down or digging in profound thoughts, long roots, endless love, intellectual debates, psychological excavations, lost at sea or in denial, it's time to sink or swim. <laughs> Ooh, so wow. Yeah, tell us about a time you went all in, a time you were like a fish out of water, or mm -hmm. a time you almost hit rock bottom. Okay. I love it. Um, okay, so first, I'm gonna go with the first thing that came to mind. So when I, um, let's see, this was 2019. Yes. And my, my husband at the time had told me that he wanted an open marriage. And I was sort of shell-shocked but i had been working with somebody um and we had been exploring limiting beliefs and things like this so rather than just sort of go no thank you or get mad at him or, or whatever i was like hmm i wonder why this bothers me so much and i kind of i decided to like explore that and and after a few months i was like you know what what the hell like <laughs> let's let's do that um and what was funny was i didn't think i would be the one that would actually do anything i was just sort of basically saying whatever if you want to go have some relationships you know go do your thing um and i ended up going to this retreat with the with the guy that i had been working with i'd been kind of an assistant coach basically to his program. Mm -hmm. And uh, I met my current partner. Um, <laughs> and I remember this moment uh, where he asked me a question and I ended up telling him for the first time, you know, when you like, you, you decide to do something, but it's like really the first time that you speak it out loud where it really seems real. And I was like, cause he asked me like about my ring, like, was I married or something? And I was like, yeah, I'm actually in an open marriage. <laughs> <laughs> and the moment I said that I was like, oh my God, everything is about to change. And it did. So a few, I think it was like, Oh, like three months later, I moved everything, my kids, all everything that would fit into my minivan to Washington uh, from Arizona. And um, here I am. <laughs> you did go all in. <laughs> I went all in. <laughs> oh 
goodness. Yeah. yeah that's pretty big. Big <laughs> change. Oh, amazing. Thank you for being so willing to um, be a part of that story. I don't yeah. know if you're like how the mood strikes you. I was going to ask you whether it's live or like something pre-recorded. And I can also like send people to YouTube and, and Spotify to listen to your work. But I don't know how you're feeling about potentially singing something or um, delving more into your, your practice, whatever, however that might be defined. You mean like share something right now? Mm -hmm. Um, I was I was working on just some vocalizing yesterday. Mm-hmm. Would that be appropriate? Yeah. Honestly, okay. Let's see. Let's see how it reads. Because sometimes harmonium can be a little, little strong for the uh, audio that we have available. That's true. But let's let's see. I can call this take one, and I can try something else if this doesn't. <laughs>
Was that super loud? <laughs> I mean, I don't know how it's going to translate. <laughs> it was so beautiful. <laughs> here now with that <clears throat> emotion that came before that and your vulnerability of, you know, talking about something very personal to you. So it just felt like <laughs> you needed to take a breath and in a way that would maybe feel good to you to release that and I know oh. it feels good for me I hope it does I told you I'm crying I love you this is so great <laughs> I could tell when we start talking I'm like I have a new friend <laughs> I know. I'm, and I don't know well I'll say this now because I don't know how it's going to turn out <clears throat> on zoom zoom is great for connectivity but they're not as like um, yeah audio and video you know superb as other platforms so go visit the youtube link go visit the spotify link to um hear porter's voice in the in the real <laughs> sort of outside this moment just in case i'm not sure how that will transform through but for any of you who've been in my yoga classes in the last like 12 years i've definitely played her her music so you'll know her voice and and her sound and i want to encourage you to stream and download actually if you sign up for her newsletter i discovered that and signing up for your newsletter there's a download of a of an album there so oh. that was a lovely <laughs> gift <That's so>. <laughs> but yeah where is the best place for um and i'll put links in the show notes but you just let us know what's the best way for people to kind of find you and connect with you and, and figure out about your songwriting course and any other offerings you have available yeah so portersinger.com is probably the best way to find out all about me i have um, an empty events page right now i have a very full music page where i have downloads and i do harmonium chord sheets for people who are wanting to play some of my music on their own harmonium I have a guidance page for body cello and emotional guidance offerings. And then I also started a community tab where uh, you can sign up for the January songwriting series. And I'm also going to do something in March on um, money and mantra. Oh, <laughs> very intrigued by <laughs> that. That's one of the conversations that comes up a lot with like other yogis and practitioners and artists frankly too just in general it's sort of like i'm doing this thing that i love but they feel this thing about the money that's mm. with it and yet we have no compunction about going to a nine to five and taking money for that but um oh so i'm sure yours is good that's gonna be good <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i like teaching about money i like learning about money too so it's a i like to share what i've what I've gleamed yeah, with the world. What's yeah. on your kind of, as we close out your sort of thoughts, hopes, visions, predictions for 2023 for you and, and, and beyond, depending on kind of what your, your heart is yeah. telling you right now. Well, my vision for Let's start with myself for next year is to care deeply about 
how I am doing and what I need in any given moment. And to unwind myself from this pattern of hyper awareness of what other people might, what my perception of what other people are needing at any given moment and their opinion of me. And then for, I think on a more global scale, I think my vision is for us to be able to communicate in a more harmonious way to be able to see more of our shared attributes and less of our um, divisive opinions on things uh, to be able to find more common ground with our our fellow humans and uh, hopefully I want to use a better word than hopefully <laughs> but my prayer is for that to mean that we are able to uh, come together and support each other so that there is less loneliness, despair. Um, yeah. Yeah. Seeing one another. Yeah. Hearing one another. I was in a store. It's a couple days before New Year's Eve. This will come out in a couple weeks, but I was in a store about a week and a half ago, ago and there was a guy that was going around and he was really just talking to anybody who would listen to him like what are your plans for Christmas are you making a special recipe what are your traditions but it was like freaking people out right and, he'd, <laughs> and they'd be like he'd start following them up the aisles and then he'd ask another person when they ran away and whatever and I just I was like oh like he just really wants to connect with someone and I know in a department store that's not <laughs> the best place to do it but it was like I could feel that real human need to you know have a connection with someone. Yeah. so I hope I feel like that's the aim of this podcast and I feel like it's the aim of your podcast too and the work that you do to just facilitate more connections between so many different types of people and I want to reiterate that to listeners um to go give for podcast to listen because I've just I've been blown away I've been fascinated I've been intrigued I've been like what the heck is going on like you know people are just you know what I mean their range of experiences <laughs> and the things they do I don't remember his name but there's this one guy and he's played violin with Rihanna but I can't remember his name for some reason it was know. on my podcast yeah yeah, he's a musician or viola. Might not have been violin, it might have been viola. But he's played with Rihanna. Like, yeah, with Rihanna and with um who was the other one? Oh, Indy Irie, who I've seen in, in concert here and was amazing. And I'm like, was he at that concert that um I saw? But anyway, that whole interview was like he was such an interesting person and his approach to life and going all in and having this very magical childhood I should pull it up on my oh my gosh who is this I don't know who this is <laughs> gosh but it had been like 10 years since you two had seen one another inspired I'm looking it up I have to go like way back oh and I like the interview with Gary Temple 
bodily too. That oh, so that's, yeah, that's who I was coaching with. Yeah. Yes. It was, bear with us, friends, because. Oh, Asher Lob? Oh, the other Deepak. Oh, oh Deepak Ramapriyan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was just like, <laughs> I was <not> walking, <laughs> stopping and be like, what did he just say? And I'd have to like back it up because it's <laughs> magical childhood, but then he just like, he's full throttle, like, mm. like 380% of the time in like, but in the most charming way. But yeah. anyway, just such a cast of characters on your show. But it's like, I love that because I feel like in, you know, we talked about his experiences growing up and how kids were just sort of like, okay, he's this like, whatever. And we've all had those experiences of feeling like an outsider and nobody hears us, sees us or listens to us, but look, look at what he's accomplishing in life. And I feel like there's always somebody on there that we can connect with. That's why I love the moth too. Like <laughs> when I was pulling out these cards because when I listen to those stories, it's people from every walk of life and they could be talking about the simplest thing, the funniest thing, the saddest thing. Um, and yeah. I feel like that's mm. our purpose here is to keep connecting with one another. So thank mm. you for right. being part of that. Yeah. Thank you, Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> no, right? For allowing us to, to do this and Fantastic. connection despite being farther apart. So yeah. I want to encourage you to go on, go ahead and follow Porter Singer on Instagram and check her out on YouTube. Oh my gosh, such beautiful music, um, as well as on Spotify and all your streaming platforms. She'll be included in this month's newsletter with all those links there as well. And if you have any questions, please reach out to me, myyogaaudio at gmail.com. I would love to hear your feedback on this episode and anything else that comes across your mind that gets prompted from some of our conversations and remembering that it's always a great time for your mind and your body to be on the mat. <laughs>